You're the perfect hunting machine. Fearless. Relentless. You've been searching for one thing your whole life. And she's down there. Make sure this is the right one. It's her. Good. Kill her. Who are you? I'm here to help you. It can be difficult for people from underdeveloped worlds to hear that their planet is not the only inhabited planet. Your Majesty, Kane was the best soldier I ever went into battle with. If she's what you say she is, we're not getting off this planet without a fight. Your Earth is a very small part of a very large industry. you at somewhat of a disadvantage. They're because he kidnapped me. Some lives will always matter more than others. Welcome to They Call This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and the podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We are part of the Main Damien Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themaindamien.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Main Damien. We are also now a proud member of Geek Fives Nation. You can find them at gbnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This a Movie. This is Anthony Lelvecchio. With me, as always, is Dan Aquino and Mark Meyer. Say hello, gentlemen. Hey, what's going on, guys? Yo, how are you doing? I don't know how uh, Cara Delevingne keeps getting wrong. You know, I hear you. She was, she was she was she was average in this movie. Are you mistaking like... her for Eddie Redmayne? <laughs> no, more of my bit is that uh, I was confusing. You don't, you don't have to. Don't explain yeah. the joke. Don't explain yeah, the joke. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, I got it. <laughs> I did Just too. make it short. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we. <laughs> I, I didn't know how obscure Valeri. Oh yeah, I, well, there's it's the only space movie that Clara Delvine is in, <laughs> as far as I know. And Dane DeHaan. I never got him. I I never got him. Like, what was the fascination with him? I don't know. I don't know, guys. But this, I I feel like we shouldn't spend that much time on Valerian and the City (laughs) of a Thousand Planets because we didn't watch that fucking movie. (laughs) Save all this conversation for that episode, which hopefully never comes, based on this movie. But we did watch a movie, but before we got into that movie, what did you guys watch this week? Uh, I watched a weird mixture of things. I watched a lot of Bar Rescue on uh, Paramount Plus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it made me wonder, like, do you think that there's ever a uh, a podcast rescue? Do you think that would be a thing? Where John Taffer comes in, I'm yeah. shutting it down. <laughs> yeah. You need to take responsibility for this show. <laughs> Shut it all oh, down. Oh, man. He'd probably have a field day with this episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I I just I would imagine like this guy can't talk. This guy's doing bits out of left field. Who who runs this thing? Like, you got no notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it would be it would definitely be something to behold. And then it there would be the side camera where Ant is just kind of like I believe in this podcast and I, you know I put my heart and soul into this and I'm not ready to give it up. And because uh, <laughs> I was trying to like who would be a good a good host for that kind of show. And I was thinking of other, uh, you know, famous podcasts like Mark Marin or like Joe Rogan or somebody. It's like I wouldn't want Joe Rogan to try to fix my podcast. That would just yeah. be awful. Like, oh, what you guys need is more venison and elk meat. Yeah, <laughs> I don't need that. And I, I really don't know what Mark Marin is all about. And I, I don't really listen to his show. But uh, yeah, I, I would just want John Taffer to come in and just shut us down. <laughs> Really give us some hard love. Like, call us assholes. <laughs> he, did you, I don't know if you guys watched that show, but he yeah. he's very mean to people, kind of like for no reason. Yeah, like, I he'll like caught people... it like, in hotels or in the hospital. 
<laughs> one of your one of your many stints in the hospital. Yeah, yeah he he calls people like idiots. It's kind of rough. Yeah. It's, I wonder, see, he doesn't have a comparison show, but I've always been fascinated by the difference between American Gordon Ramsay and British Gordon Ramsay in now, terms of his kitchen TV nightmare? shows. Yeah, he does Kitchen Nightmares here, and that's the idiot sandwich and all that stuff, mm-hmm. where he puts the two pieces of bread on the girl's ears. Right. Um, and uh, so that's all American. But when he's on the British show, it's like much more helpful and calm. Well, those are his people. <laughs> It's like it's such a it's such a weird thing. I'm wondering if, you know, you always wonder how much of that is played up. You know, mm-hmm. you know, it's a little bit turned to 11 for people. It's got to be having some having that direct comparison of Gordon Ramsay is just fascinating to me. Is that he's like two completely different people on the same type of show in two different countries. So <laughs> basically what I'm saying is, uh, John, John Taffer, if you're listening Come yeah. rescue our podcast. Uh, we'll we'll do anything. We'll change anything you want. Um, and then I to like kind of like a palate cleanser. I watched all three Austin Power movies on Netflix. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know why, but it, to me they don't really hold up. They're very very much a product of their time. I don't think I've seen any of them in fifteen years. Yeah, I would think the only best. one that may. Is the first one. The first one is by far the best one. Yeah, because yeah. that was before it became a thing. Yeah. And it, Myers it became, does what Myers does, you know. It just became catchphrase the movie, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Like every two seconds, yeah, baby, and do I make you horny, and like all that other stuff. And then there was other pop culture references in there. Like they throw in a Heineken reference. Yeah, like, remember, hey, get your hands off my Heine. Remember that that grand? That's that a great joke. Oh, yeah. Was that, was that a gold member? No, that was in The Spy Who Shagged Me. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, you know, to, to be fair, who is the, the Austin, who's the love interest in that? Heather Graham, I Heather believe? Graham's yeah. 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 Not bad. Not bad at all. They, mm-hmm. they got Heather those Graham. right. Sure. Yeah, they, they got Elizabeth Hurley, Heather Graham, and Beyonce. So, like, that's nothing to just shake a hat at, you know? A slight off tangent, but did you see that the Elon Musk rocket ship looked exactly like the Dick and Balls rocket ship? Well, that, that was Powers. what was funny because I, that's I Jeff watched... Bezos. Oh, Jeff Bezos, sorry. Yeah, and that's kind of what made me laugh today because that that was the uh, they had that whole thing where they would just have different names for for a penis essentially. Like, oh look, at it. it's got such a huge shaft. Oh, and like, oh, like that's a big Woody, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> that's my favorite one. Woody yeah. Harrelson. <laughs> I've <laughs> seen bigger. <laughs> that's just a little prick. <laughs> yeah, a little prick. Right. Uh, our our good friend uh, Clint Howard's in that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's friend uh, of the podcast, Clint Howard. We yes. should get him on the show. That would be great to have Clint Howard on here. <laughs> so then he could like rag on us and be like, yeah, yeah, you know, we deserved it. Sure. Go watch the uh, the ice cream man. Yeah, for Halloween. Yeah. That'd be perfect. Uh, of, the, of the level of celebrities that we made jokes about on this podcast, he might be the most attainable to get on here. <laughs> I, sure. But to be fair, and again, I would love to interview anybody. It'd be it'd be awesome to interview yeah. Lynn Howard. Yeah. But uh, th- that was it for me. Okay. What about you, Mark? Yeah, so uh, I actually watched a uh, couple things. Um, uh, well, did, did Loki happen between our episodes or no? What happened? Yeah, Loki was last week. Last Wednesday, so before. Yeah. So I watched that. That was that was really good. That might be my best favorite series that they put out on Disney Plus. Just the way it tied everything together and set up a second season is pretty pretty wild for uh, those shows. And you know, I heard somebody basically just thank you to Sylvie for the next four years of movies because of what happens in that episode. And uh, the the other the other things I watched was with the Olympics coming up and my um, background in journalism from college, I watched the Netflix documentary Athlete A, um, which is all about the Larry Nassar case. Uh, And uh, it's a really good documentary um, for anybody that follows uh, Olympic level gymnastics or anything um, or has followed this case at all. It's 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 really well done. And it it makes you kind of angry and question supporting (laughs) that stuff over the years as you go through and watch it and find out how much of an evil organization U.S. gymnastics actually is um, or maybe was at the time. So I recommend for anybody that watches that. And then um, I listened to, as a tangent, I listened to a ESPN 30 for 30 podcast from last year on the uh, Carolis themselves, who were the, you know, the preeminent names in, you know, women's gymnastics for, since the like, late 70s. But 
Um, both of them are great for anybody that's interested in that. I am a huge Olympics nerd, so you know this stuff is it kind of plays my interest. So uh, that's the stuff I watch. Okay. As for me, didn't watch much. I watched the final film in the Fear Street trilogy. 1666 which was good nice wrap up the story kind of went on for a little bit too long could have been a little bit shorter as will become a theme this week but that was really it i watched some of hot rod which is a pretty good this is stupid i've seen it before i'm going to turn off my brain kind of movie and then i watched i think you should leave season two again because that show is amazing really can't recommend it to people because it's it's wild and ridiculous but yeah, that's what I watched this week. I watched a whole bunch of stupid things that just put my mind at ease. Sometimes you need that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely came in handy. But that's about it. So that's all we watched this week before getting into this week's movie. So we're going to take a quick break. And you guys are going to listen to some ads so we can pay those bills. And we'll be right back. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week was Mark's pick. Mark, why don't you tell us what movie you made us watch? Okay, hold on one second. I got to open up my notes app on my phone. <clears throat> I would like to formally apologize to the two people <laughs> co-hosts on the uh, They Call This a Movie podcast uh, for my choice in movies this week. It was a uh, reckless choice and a one that was taken up quickly. And I do apologize and hope that you can forgive me in the future. Well, we'll see. So I <laughs> think this week. I- I chose uh, Jupiter Ascending. Um, the I will admit the choice process um, was me being a little scared at choosing my first choice because I knew nothing about it and didn't want it to suck. And then my second choice, we decided it was a little too good. Yeah, let's uh, let's go back onto this yeah. one because I was surprised when you when you almost yeah. picked this because uh, maybe I'm wrong. I haven't seen this movie in 20 yeah. years, but that was the main reason I was thinking about it. But was, I thought. Uh, I thought the consensus that is that The Mask of Zorro is actually a pretty good movie. I mean, it, it got a sick. It, the thing that fooled me was it got a 6.8 on IMDb. So I was like, is it as good as I remember? You know, I love that movie. I thought that was a really good movie. I, f- yeah. I feel like a lot of people realize they're bisexual when watching that movie. Right. Antonio Banderas, yeah. man. And, Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta Jones. And yeah. people are just like, I can't choose. Right. <laughs> they, they definitely try to outsex one another in that. Oh, but yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's a very, it revitalized Zorro. Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> nothing really came of that. Because, right. <laughs> but they, I always they squandered it, but yeah. it brought it back into the main eye, yeah. like the public eye. Yeah, I had the same feeling as Ant when I was making the choice, because my idea was, I watched this movie a lot when I was younger. It was one of the... I would say four to five VHSs that I personally own. And so it got good rotation uh, back when it came out, but it was like, it's a mid nineties movie. Maybe I just thought it was good because, you know, the eyes of a, you know, 11, 10, 11 year old or whatever, however we were when that, maybe I just really liked, cause there was a hot woman in it and Catherine Zeta Jones at that time. And that's why I watched the movie all the time, which is probably true anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was the reason I was like, ah, oh, maybe we'll revisit it. You know, because we watched some okay movies to good movies in the past. And then and then Ann goes, wait, wasn't that really good? And I was like, huh, maybe it was. And then I just kind of <laughs> noticed Jupiter Ascending was, um, I forget where I saw it on the list. And I'm like, hey, this is on Netflix. It's always comes up in like it's so good, it's bad, so bad it's good list. No. Um, <laughs> let's let's try it. And um, and my other choice was a random 2000s movie by presented by Jackie Chan called Gen Y Cops that has Paul Rudd in it. But I I had a feeling that it might have just been like, um, you know, we wouldn't have much to say about it. I don't know. Right. But yeah, um, that was my worry with that one. Yeah. Uh, but, I will yeah. say I give you I gave you an out for Matt Mask of Zorro. I said, if you found me a good letterboxed review, <laughs> I'd, I'd let you go with it. All of them were great. <laughs> that, well, maybe I'll have maybe I have to rewatch that movie. I might want yeah. rewatch that movie sometime in the near future. Yeah. Anthony anyway. Hopkins is in it too. Yep. So essentially, I just thought, um, besides Jupiter Ascending being on that list, maybe maybe it was just such a terrible, you know, um, you know, alien design and stuff like that that we could make fun of that. Then that's where my bit from the beginning of the show came in because I was, I think in my head the alien design stuff. I was thinking of, you know, um, the 
God, I can't even. Valerian. Valerian. Um, I was like, total blank. Um, I was thinking of that movie. Uh, but I did, I did, I was curious from the one letterbox thing that said um, Eddie Redmayne's acting in this movie was just him trying to get fired each day on set. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, gave me some hope, which was quickly dashed when this movie began. Uh, Dan, where are you coming from from with Jupiter Ascending? Uh, uh, it took me three tries to watch this. Uh, started it Sunday, watched 20 minutes and said, nope, can't do it today. Uh, tried it yesterday, got through another 25, 30 minutes. And I was like, I can't, I just can't. I don't, I, it made me sick. It made me like ill. Uh, I, I thought of everything to not watch this movie. <laughs> I was like, oh, you know, like the roof needs new shingles. Maybe I'll just go reshingle the roof or, uh, I'll just go like paint the whole house or I'll just do any, I would do anything to not watch this movie. And I, I have... I have a, a like kind of an interesting story, but it, it's interesting to me. But uh, when I lived in Massachusetts for a short while, I was working in a warehouse and I was talking to these two guys that I worked with. And I I asked them if they had ever seen Jupiter Ascending. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's amazing. Amazing. Really? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. It, it's so good. Way better than Guardians of the Galaxy. That that movie is terrible. I was like, okay. I gotta, I gotta watch this. Uh, I watched it, and I, you know, thought it was. It, it's one of the worst movies I think I've ever watched. <laughs> like, like, one of the most more competent movies that I've ever watched. That's terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we've watched bad movies, obviously, but th- this one like actively tries. Uh, you know, Wachowskis and um, shit, man, like. That's when I realized people from Massachusetts just have terrible taste in pretty much everything. <laughs> Movies, pizza, uh, music. It's, uh, man, th- th- that place is just devoid of taste. <laughs> I, I think we got to the bottom of why Dan absolutely hates this movie. It reminds him of Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> I, man, I, I, I was dumbfounded. Cause when, when did Guardians come out? 2014? Around that time? 2015 it was, it was either 2013 or 2014 yeah because i think this came out afterwards right yeah so, that's so I, don't, I, I don't know and these these two guys also said their favorite godzilla movie was the matthew Broderick film oh my goodness so, so this wasn't just hint right there yeah this wasn't a one-time <laughs> hot take so like, oh you know i'll check it out i you know i'm interested in it and oh boy this movie is just, this is a it's a chore yeah it's it's an absolute chore. I love that this is the uh, um, high budget version of uh, Love on a Leash, basically. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It's just, everything is just boring with it. You know, th- this is basically the Phantom Menace for two hours. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this because it's like, what is there really any difference between this and say Star Wars? And I think what it is is that now that CG has gotten to a place where you could do anything. I think we as an audience are at our limit for space operas. I don't think we want anymore because when you can do anything, they just choose to do everything. Yeah, like it's too busy. All the set pieces, all the action set pieces are just everything. It's like, what could you do? Well, anything your mind can think of, you can do. In terms of, like, the 70s, when he was making Star Wars, it's like, well, I could do this with these models. And then, you know, the restraints fuels the creativity. And I think even, like, the prequels, you could see it almost, you know, between those three movies is that shift. Um, I think Phantom Menace is more or less a little more restrained than the, the following two. I mean, I think the battle for Naboo obviously is kind of showing those like, well, we could do anything, so we're going to do everything. And then the decision to make all backgrounds basically CG in that. But you do have a, a lightsaber battle that is more or less grounded in reality. And then as yeah. you go further, is it Attack of the Clones or Revenge of the Sith that has the scene that never ends in, like, the robot factory? I think that's Attack of the Clones. Right? It's 20 minutes of uh, a platforming video game. Yeah. Right? It, 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 you're right. I think it takes away the creativity from the director. 
right? Because right. you could just rely on flashy set pieces or just flashy uh, graphics. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it, it's that's why. And I, I think you and I tend to agree on this, Ant. We love 80s horror movies mm-hmm. because you you had to rely on uh, practical effects. You didn't have to worry. Well, like, yeah, we'll just we'll CGI the monster in in post. Yeah. Uh, or like the actors aren't acting with tennis balls. You know, yeah. it's the, the the creature's there. You you yeah. can touch it. There's just something like, yeah, it looks it could look corny. But like, I, I jumped to the thing where. Yeah. You, you have all those awesome practical effects and those uh, those like puppeteers and everything. You could tell it's fake, but it's still it's there. And I think there's something to that with these, especially Jupiter Ascending. It's you can pinpoint certain times when like yeah, that's fake or like when it goes from real to fake, and that it, it takes you out of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, one of my main issues with it is that. Um, if you break it down, there's there is a very good seed of an idea for a story in a world um, in this. If you take it um, even even down to just the idea that there are these people out here that seed planets to just harvest them so they can live forever sort of idea, um, you know, is is, you know, a pretty good starting point for things. Um, I think and the secret princess thing. It is a trope in in, in a, a lot of these movies, um, and it just I just it, it just like Ant said the they try to show you everything about the world in this one movie instead of even you take original you know Star Wars you don't get the you don't know everything about the lore um, like they don't take you to you know each house of each of the evil characters you're gonna you know, face and explain exactly why they're evil, you know, um, as they do in this movie. Um, and it's just, yeah, it, the, the restraint on this would have been to try and think of it as more than one movie um, and hold back a little bit. Um, and you might have been able to, uh, you know, you can make this like an 85 to 90 minute movie, you know, hold some stuff back for the second movie. And you may have, been able to you know get at least one or two out of this uh or at least two to three um but i think that's where they failed is they were trying to show how cool and how smart they were in in the Wachowski. um and they just threw everything um on the screen and i was like trying to capture that magic that the the lore of the matrix gave them you know and you know, I think that's mainly where they failed here. I, I think you're right, Mark, because I felt the same way. This this could have been way better if it were two movies. Yeah. Not that this movie was ever going to get a sequel, but it, you, you I, I remember thinking, right, you have that climax, like that, that scene where the uh, the wedding is about to take place and there's that big rescue. And in most movies, that's like the big climactic finale. In this movie, there was still 38 minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> And it's yeah. just like, holy shit, like, what was the point of all that? That should have been the end of the movie. And then, you know, you have to, or like maybe she's captured by Eddie Redmayne, and now you got to go rescue her from there. But, uh, like, yeah, this this was almost like a, uh, this this was almost an RPG. Now you have to go to each different house. It, it was just too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, a movie that doesn't have any, like, backing IP to kind of, yeah. draw an audience that's such an, a hard ask i mean this movie's this movie felt super long in the grand scheme of things it's not that long of a movie it's two hours and eight minutes seven minutes according to imdb so it's not that long a movie relative to other movies like this i'm you know, i'm pretty sure star wars is about two hours and seven minutes or something like that it's around there but this feels so much longer this yeah. is the first time in a long time i ever I looked at the time and I said, holy shit, there's a half hour left. I audibly said that to my wife as she was walking through the room because she wasn't watching this with me. (laughs) I paused it as I was talking to her. And before I started it, I just yelled it out. Holy shit, (laughs) I have another half hour. Um, I couldn't watch this twice. Full disclosure. I every movie that we watch, I watch twice so I can write notes on the second viewing. I couldn't I couldn't work up the courage <laughs> to do it for a second time like dan was saying i did everything else that i could think of so i could avoid watching this movie a second time i wrote a, a, a 
a stationary bike for an hour yesterday instead of watch this movie. <laughs> yeah. That's that was my mindset for this. I there was nothing fun with this movie. It was just yeah. Oh, I I can't even I can't even put it to words just how much I did not care about it, this movie. It, it was a whole lot of stuff going on, but none of it memorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you, you even I found myself not like, just not paying attention even during the the action scenes. Yep. Because yeah. like the action scenes are really nothing special. It, it's it's Channing Tatum ice skating through the sky and yeah. every single fight. You take away those anti-gravity boots, Channing Tatum is is a total loser in this movie. <laughs> All he does is ice skate. <laughs> and uh, original Star Wars, but, but so, sorry to interrupt, Mark, is two hours and one minute long. So it's only six minutes shorter. Yeah, yeah. there's there's two things that go to those action scenes in the movie. Um, I think, one, um, I am upset that Sean Bean lived uh, <laughs> multiple times when he could have died. Um, which also already shows you that it's a bad movie. Um, and number two, um, it just it just seemed like every battle you knew the end, but they took so long to get there. Mm-hmm. Like that scene where they're going through the hammers to save her at the wedding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like right. they should have been through that by now. Like how 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 thick is this? Um, and they and the the dramatic and all the dramatic stuff you could have cut out like half of that. And it would have been much better. Like, you know, the, the most interesting thing that happens is that, you know, when he finally gets through and they they hit into the ship and then he grabs her hand and tries to force her to, you know, get the bond on. And I'm like, that's the first interesting thing that happened at that wedding. But besides that, they were just standing there. You know, <laughs> all the people were AI. So there was nothing interesting in the crowd. Right. And, you know, and the last interesting thing happens at the very end. And I'm like, why did I sit through all this? You know, it yeah. took way too long. Um, yeah, I think I think with me, as as you know, in this podcast, I try to be Mr. Positive of <laughs> anything and try to find something. Um, there were so many times something would happen, like, oh, oh, maybe this is where it kind of turns around. Okay, no, like when <laughs> when they first show those three hunters, like the girl with the pigtails and and those guys, I'm like, all right, you know, they finally do something different. You know, what's going on with these people? And then they just turned out to be lame. Um, the three of them, and I'm just like, you know, and I, I, and to go back to the sequel thing, I did read that the Wachowski said that there was going to be a sequel, but uh, reports are that uh, Mila Kunis and Channing Tatum are not returning for their roles. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know what that sequel looks like. It's not direct to video, if, if it ever happens. You know what? One of the problems was in the first 20 minutes of this movie, there's so much going on. There's so many different plot threads going on where it's like Mila Kunis's character is being forced to sell her eggs. There's uh, intergalactic ownership of they're fighting over who owns Earth. Uh, there's weird little aliens that come in. And that's when the movie lost me, with the generic aliens. Apparently they're illegal aliens. You yeah. Know, the, her and her mother. Yeah, and they, they for some reason they knew how to dress at an egg fertile what 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 was what is that place i, I guess like somewhere where you could sell eggs is that a fertility clinic fertility clinic? clinic yeah yeah like the, the the little mini aliens knew exactly how to operate everything and so like, but you have this whole imaginative concept and you use the least imaginative alien concept it's it's like what little kids draw it, it's a south park alien remember those yeah, which is like the gray little gray men. Like, ah, oh, it's it, it it tries to be so imaginative and it's boring. It's a, it's a lot of a lot of um, back and forth about who owns this, how they're going to go about getting the the paperwork. They spend like twenty minutes or like ten minutes in some planet trying the to bureaucrat get bureaucrat planet. Yeah, like basically they're trying to get paperwork for Mila Kunis to be like the queen there. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah this to, is yeah, this is to, fun. To take her rightful title of... Her, right. Why do we doing. need... It, it was a bureaucracy joke that went on yes. way too long. Yeah, like, why we don't need to see them standing in line getting her identification and this guy bribing the clerk to, to do all this. Just, yeah. like, she shows up, she's the queen, that, that's it. It, it. It's also a scene that you could have had happen 
but like everything we're probably going to talk about, which is going to shock people that listen to this podcast, that they could have made shorter by just, you know, making it more of a montage than, mm-hmm. you know, they did. They tried to make it a little bit of a montage, but they stretched some of the scenes out way too long um, in there. It could have been just he went to that desk and they go, no, you got to go here. And then it cut to another person. No, you got to go here. And it could have been and then just reaction shots and could have been all done in like two and a half minutes, you know, and yeah. instead of the five or however long that whole scene was. And all it does is just lead up to a joke at the end where she goes, I'll never complain about the DMV again. <laughs> well, know? it was a very important homage to Terry Gilliam's Brazil. That's what the whole scene was. Because Terry Gilliam plays the seal and signet minister like anybody actually cared. Yeah, they didn't <laughs> even know that. You, you know what my favorite part of this movie was? The uh, end no, no, surprisingly <laughs> not. Uh, my favorite part of this movie. The bees. The bees. <laughs> The bees and how they dis- how they how we the audience discovers that Mila Kunis is quote unquote royalty because bees know royalty. They're it's hardwired in them, guys. They know Queen when they can smell yeah. her. So Queen Elizabeth has never been stung in her life. None of the royals have ever been stung. What bullshit is that? <laughs> you gotta tell me you can't think of a better way to like holy shit she's royalty like maybe she has a birthmark or, or something mm. bees the, the entire time i just kept hearing nicholas cage not the bees a question for you guys um and i would have gotten this on two viewing do we find out how she's a queen yes like as far as far as i remember she's human like is her dad she, some sort of alien no no. Um, do you know Dan or do you want me? Because I, I sadly think I know this. I, I'm going to take a stab. Okay. But uh, it, since you know, you can correct me. I, I think she's reincarnated. Well, I know she's supposed to have the same genetic DNA, the DNA of the mother of the three. But why? That uh, I don't know. Yeah, they don't explain that. It's something in their culture called the reoccurrence or something. Like they have a name for it and it happens all throughout because genetics always reproduce or whatever the stupid sister talks about but that's the whole thing is she's technically the mother reincarnated and that's why she's royal everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule and of course the cost well better help can solve those problems it's totally online and built around your schedule it's surprisingly affordable too Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, the genes, like when they take that that shot, um, when she's in the clinic, they put that thing, and that's how they know the other girl's not royalty. Mm-hmm. It's like whatever they do, it reads the genes as uh, that person's genes. It's her genetic print that's how they find um in the in the galaxy but but there's no no explanation of why her the the daughter of two russian immigrants right are is oh great which (laughs) which is another point going back to to what i said about there's a seed of a story like if it could have been like you know all this stuff happens and then she mentions it to the mother and then it's a reveal that the mother, you know, has a history, you know, like they could have done that. And that story would have been much better, but just her being a random reincarnation um, through the galaxy is just dumb. It's like, it's like two thirds of a good story. And they just don't stick the landing with it. Like Uh, like her dad should be a living planet basically. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I mean, yeah, hell it's anything better than what they did in this movie. I, I wonder like this kind of is a Wachowski, uh, like a thread almost, right? Because like the, the the first Matrix is a very good movie, right? And from what I remember hearing, they weren't planning on making more than one, and it became so wildly popular. Like, well, you know, we gotta keep going. But they didn't plan for more than one, so it's like all of a sudden, Jesus, uh, um, Neo is Jesus mm-hmm. out of uh, like out of nowhere, and they don't really explain why, because I don't think they knew why. So that's kind of like what's going on here. Like they were just kind of making these this story up as they were going along, and forgot to put in the why. In, in a bunch of cases. Yeah. You know. Like, well, yeah. Why is she royalty? Uh, don't know. What What purpose does this whole uh, intergalactic 
uh, what are, are they like a conglomerate? I guess. I what is that? But the family is probably more of a like I guess closer to an oligarchy, sort of like they're like uh, you know a few families control the wealth sort of thing um, but, in the galactic government. Yeah, it's know. it's never explained like and, what they're a part of. And my favorite thing, um, and I laughed when it happened, and even because I had the captions on. But they introduce this whole family, you know, the Abrasics family, and they say they're one of the most powerful families in the universe. Like, they couldn't even commit to them being the most powerful. Mm, and then probably because they, they were going to introduce other powerful families. <laughs> yeah, they just, they don't even talk about other families. And everybody they run into is like, oh, the Abrasics. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, if they would have been like Darth Vader, you know, and it's yeah. like, this family is like cruel and well known for being, you know, um, but they hedged their bets by didn't even making them. The, it, it's like I said, they get like two thirds of the way there for a good thing, but then they just either get rushed or they want to design a set piece or something for action, which were terrible in this movie. Um, but yeah, even the bees thing, it could have been an explanation that whatever planet they're from, the bees are like something to do with the royal family, you know, like you could just not have the bees at all. You know, but if you had to have the bees, you just take that one more step where you explain the bees and the home planet. That's, you know, you know, just take that step if you're going to do it. Yeah, um, and, and one more thing for me. Is this movie kind of like a low-key, like, anti-animal agriculture movie? I think it's anti-capitalism. In yeah, okay. it's very, very big anti-capitalism. Because, so the, the way I took it was because they, they harvest humans for their anti-aging yeah. goo. And like, oh, and Eddie Redmayne at one point says, like, yeah, you're, you know, your people are essentially just um, resources for us. Like, oh, I wonder, like, and I think he says that they like, herded like cattle. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, shit, are they trying to, like, do an anti-animal agriculture movie here? Like, it's okay. No, it's more of a it's, rich, poor class thing. Yeah, than I think that's more and, along the lines. But, but they were using the terms, you know, it was more like a farm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And animals, more like plants. They were treating them like plants. Like they would seed the worlds, and then when the worlds got too out of control, they harvest. Yeah. So it was mm-hmm. more like plants than animals. Right, because yeah. Sean Bean uh, keeps bees, and that's not vegan. It's not. <laughs> that's yeah. true. I had to explain that to someone yesterday at work, and it, it, to me that makes no sense. But <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that's essentially like, and, and even that. Um, you know, is is a good nugget for a story. You know, you could have spread out over two movies. You yeah. know, not have that reveal happen in this movie. You know, that that's the great end of the second movie um, when they're going to kill Eddie Raymond's character. You know, as they find out, oh, they've been harvesting humans for centuries or millennia or whatever. Um, and yeah, and I I 100% believe that the Wachowskis were just throwing out huge numbers in this to just make things seem important. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I'm on my 14th millennium. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, that's going to sound big, you know, <laughs> without having any, any like, backing to, like, if she was almost a thousand millennia, a hundred millennia years old, like almost a hundred thousand years old, you know, how long is, like, all of this been around. I, I, I was actually impressed that Mila Kunis was able to get to like know the number. Yeah. Like I'm, I've just celebrated my 14th millennium. You're 14,000 years old. I would not have known that. Yeah. I would have and, been and, like, you're 4,000 years old. I don't and, know what that is. And the, uh, and the line that absolutely killed in the writer's room was the sister going, well, actually 14,004. Oh yeah. But who's counting? <laughs> am I right? Who's counting? Yeah. Well, you don't look a day over 12,000 years old. There's yeah, like some I was stupid. waiting for that line to come, but then. I cared so little about what I was seeing on screen that there were points where I was just staring at Mila Kunis's eyes. <laughs> and like most of the time when she's having dramatic moments, like her one eye was open more than the other. And I was just like, <laughs> then I couldn't unsee it. <laughs> that's how that's how invested I was in this movie. I, I just I picture it where the, the, the camera just keeps getting close ups of both of your eyes. It's like yeah. you staring at Mila Kunis, her eyes and back and forth. <laughs> yeah. Uh and I, I got a hot take. Uh it's a good movie. No, no, oh, no. <laughs> See, that's like a nuclear take. Um no I, my hot take is Channing Tatum, not great looking in this movie. 
I think he was very average looking. He's a little bit soft too, like yeah. That, right? Yeah, yeah. Like he's big. Not saying he's not big, but sure. he was a little. He's not his, he's not ripped like he usually is. Exactly. Yeah. Like I, a du- he, like a twelve pack that he's, he's usually sporting. He spends a good I want to say like seventy percent of the movie without a shirt on. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah you know. He's not he's, at his best. He's like Christian Bale in Batman Begins, sort of. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Not 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 defined. There's no tone there. Yeah. It's it's basically just he's in good shape. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. At first right. I thought you were going to comment about his face, and I was going to no, go. No, I was going to go. You do know that he they're supposed to make him look like a man dog, right? <laughs> it's so. a little weird concept. <laughs> He's uh he's Toto in the story of Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah, yeah. essentially. He, and he's also a flying monkey at yep. the end, I guess. I mean, there are flying monkeys in the movie. <laughs> I think are Sean there? Bean is the scarecrow. Right. It seems like it's something that they had like a good th- thematic element and then kind of just like kind of petered out towards the end. Yeah. <laughs> but I, th- I think Sean Bean is supposed to be the scarecrow because he lives on a farm near a whole bunch of corn. You're right, but he the scarecrow never back uh, backstabs Dorothy. Right. Same. Or maybe yeah. he does at one point. I don't know. <laughs> I never read The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> so, Jupiter Ascending from 2015, directed by the Wachowskis, who we know, of course, from the Matrix movies, uh, Speed Racer, Bound, Cloud Atlas, another one that I hope Mark never picks. Oh, God. That's two hours and 25 minutes long. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Stars Channing Tatum, Mila Kunis, Eddie Redmayne, Sean Bean, Douglas Booth, Tuppence Middleton, what a fucking name that is, Nikki Amuka Bird, Christina Cole, Nicholas A. Newman, Maria Doyle Kennedy, and Vanessa Kirby. Has an IMDb score of 5.3 and a Rotten Tomato score of 27%. Budget, $176 million. Box office, $47 million U.S. There hasn't been more of a waste of money than this movie than until Jeff Bezos went into space. Way to put a timestamp on it. <laughs> uh, I've got nothing else to say about this movie before we end the plot. What about you guys? Fuck this movie, really. Yeah, again, just uh, listener, you know, kind of buckle in because this, I think we're just going to be bitching and moaning for the next. To be honest with you, I'm even going to uh, say, I'm not even going to go through the IMDb plot su- summary. I'm going to go through the Wikipedia plot summary because it's shorter. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, again, uh, this movie was just, this is what Mr. T was talking about in Rocky Three. He just predicted pain. That That's what this was. He was talking about Jupiter ascending. Yeah, I, it's it's baffling to me. I, I I've had such a bad time with this movie. I wonder how many, at what point in the production did half of these people realize that they didn't sign on for the movie they thought they were signing on for? I, I, I like the idea of Eddie Redmayne just trying to get fired every day. <laughs> holy shit. How do you, how, how does a good actor turn in such a terrible performance? Yeah. I, 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 it's probably, could, they probably couldn't tell you until they saw it for the first time in full. Like, how do you, how can you tell how good a movie is when all of it's CG? Yeah, I mean, I, but at the same time, like you, you hear how he speaks, and he sounds ridiculous. <laughs> he basically just talks and whispers until he turns into Michael Shannon, and <laughs> I will find him. <laughs> just these random outbursts that made me laugh so hard. Uh, what, what was, the, was this like? He yells "Go" at the the lizard people yeah. or something like that, and just abrupt cut. Uh, yeah, it's, you'd have to like, like, hey, don't talk that way, please. You, you don't sound threatening or <laughs> or intimidating. You sound like he sounds like he's a hundred million years old, mm-hmm. and it, it's not it's not a good villain for sure. He, he's not going to show up on any of the AFI top one hundred villains. No, <laughs> uh, that I can assure you. Uh, do you guys want to get into the plot? Yes. All right, Dan, what do you got for us this week? All right, so <laughs> I'm so tired from this movie. Uh, just going to give a quick shout out to Tia and her friend Brittany and their podcast, The Top Ten with Tia. It is a weekly podcast where Tia and Brittany uh, go down top ten list. So you could check them out on Instagram and Twitter. I know it's TC underscore Stark. 
And she's also the head writer for Geek Vibes Nation, with whom we are affiliated with. So drop them a follow, listen in, and enjoy yourself. Okay, great. And we are going to take a quick break, and you guys are going to listen to some messages from Friends of the Podcast. And we will be right back. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parley Hour Podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParleyHour.com, where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and parlay points are a companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Welcome, travelers. Seems like you're looking for a story. Well, I got one for you. It involves adventure, friendship, and all hey, sorts hey, of... Uh, Earl, why don't you tell them about that time I stole that big-ass melon? Yeah, yeah, I, I was going for more... Or you epic. could tell them about the time I kicked her ass, Earl. I wouldn't ever tell them Do about I need to get time. my ref gear on? Okay, everyone, shut up. Now come with me as I tell you a story from afar. Hey everybody, my name's David. I'm the DM for From Afar Podcast. A From Afar Podcast is all about four friends separated by distance, brought together by adventure. Hope you all stop by and give us a listen. Thanks. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into the plot for Jupiter Jupiter Ascending. And full disclosure, I am reading through the Wikipedia plot summary, because... I just don't care, to be honest with you. We open. Earth and countless other planets were established by families of transhuman and alien royalty for the purpose of harvesting the resulting organisms to produce a youth serum for the elites on other planets. That's one sentence. After the death of the matriarch of the house of Abrasics, the most powerful of the alien dynasties, her children, Balaam, Kalik, and Titus quarrel over the inheritance with Balin inheriting an enormous refinery on Jupiter and Titus spending his inheritance on a lavish spaceship. Jupiter Jones, go ahead. I was going to say, to be honest, I don't think any of this was actually explained in the movie. Like, (laughs) into that much. You got to read the novelization. Yeah. Yeah. You got to read the other books, man. The the other books are canon. The extended universe. Bullshit. For you. Uh, Jupiter Jones narrates that her father, Maximilian, met her mother, Alexa, in St. Petersburg, Russia. After Maximilian is killed in a robbery, Alexa names their daughter Jupiter after his favorite planet, and they move to Chicago to live with Alexa's family. Years later, Jupiter makes a modest living as a housekeeper to wealthy neighbors. Wanting to buy a telescope, Jupiter agrees to sell her egg cells and uses her friend Catherine's name as a pseudonym. Catherine's house... Jupiter and Catherine are attacked by extraterrestrial keepers. Jupiter photographs them, but they erase both of the girls' memories of the incident. Jupiter finds a strange photograph on her phone while waiting at an egg donation clinic, but cannot recall anything about it. During the procedure, the doctors and nurses are revealed to be keepers sent to kill her, but she is saved by Kane Wise, former soldier sent by Titus to bring her to him. Uh, I don't even understand what I'm reading. Yeah, they, uh, and... (laughs) By the way, as someone that probably paid attention a lot at the most of this group, all of that is 100% true. But maybe, like, they wrote this after watching the movie instead of just as the movie progressed, because a lot of that is information you find out later. But anyway, I just love that the idea that they probably high-fived when they came up with the idea of Kane as the name um, of the human-dog hybrid. Sure. You know, uh-huh. Canine. Uh-huh. I get it, Mark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I think this is around the first time when I stopped watching, like the first time I stopped. Yeah, yeah I, I, I don't have the patience or I just, I just don't have it in me. I'm too old for this. Mm-hmm. I, I found myself so many times just like, oh, man, like I haven't retained any of this. Like, <laughs> like when you're sending reading. is a, a young man's game. <laughs> it's like when you're reading something, but you're distracted while you're reading. So you're just reading the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And you haven't retained any of it. You're just skipping and you're like going through the motions of flipping through the pages and just like, I don't know what I read for the last page and a half. That's what this movie like context clues, essentially. That's what this movie is. It's reading when you're half paying attention. Oh, yeah. So as Kane and Jupiter flee, their spaceship is destroyed by a squad of keepers. Kane fends off the attack, kills the keepers, 
and hijacks one of the ver- their vehicles while protecting Jupiter. Afterwards, Cain realizes that Jupiter must be of great significance to Titus and Balaam, who are revealed to have sent the Keepers to Earth to capture her. Cain keeps Jupiter to the hot takes Jupiter to the hideout of Stinger Apini, another former soldier living in exile on Earth. Wait a minute. <laughs> Stinger Apini? Apini. A-P-I-N-I. <laughs> that can't be. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. That's what he's, according to this, that's what his name is. <laughs> that's a great one. <laughs> I'm so immature. Stinger Apini. No one said that out loud when they were rewriting this? <laughs> I guess not. Oh, huh. and he's Stinger and he keeps bees. Yeah. I love this movie now. <laughs> <laughs> I changed my mind. Uh, when Jupiter learns that she can control the bees in, Stinger, in Stinger's residence, she discovers that she is galactic royalty. Because who hasn't seen that plot point play out before? Again, it's just like throughout the history of Earth, there has been, you know, royalty right mm-hmm. a bunch of different cultures had had royalty so you're gonna tell me throughout mankind the the, the for however long we've been around all of those people have never been stung by a goddamn bee <laughs> it'd be great if sean bean was like i've only seen this once before and it was with prince yeah, that'd, be so much, <laughs> that'd be so much cooler yeah uh but this movie takes itself far too seriously so that could have happened nope uh stinger agrees to help jupiter but she is captured by a group of hunters who are supposed to be working for balaam they have been bribed by kalik to bring jupiter to her palace on a distant planet there kalik explains that jupiter is genetically identical to the dead matriarch and therefore is the earth's rightful owner supported by captain diomika singh of the intergalactic police force a Aegis, Kane retrieves her from Kalik and takes her to the intergalactic capital planet Oris to claim her inheritance. I don't know what any of this means. And this is where you get the uh, the bureaucrat scene. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> In another attempt to lure Jupiter to him, Balaam sends Gregan to kidnap Jupiter's family. On the way back to Earth, Titus's henchmen capture Jupiter and detain Kane as punishment for not bringing Jupiter to him as promised. Titus reveals to Cain his plan to marry Jupiter, kill her, and claim Earth. Classic uh, James Bond villain moment there. Yeah. Titus then throws Cain into the void of space and attempts to seduce Jupiter, declaring his intentions to dismantle the youth serum trade, of which Earth is the next intended source. Cain survives being spaced and returns with Stinger to save Jupiter at the altar before she gets married. Jupiter asks to return home, but learns that her family has been taken hostage by Balaam. At his refinery inside the Great Red Spot, Balaam demands Earth in exchange for Jupiter's family. Realizing that Balaam cannot harvest Earth without her permission, Jupiter refuses. But Cain infiltrates the refinery and damages its gravity hull, causing the refinery to begin collapsing. While the occupants evacuate the refinery... Sing's ship moves in and rescues Jupiter's family. Jupiter survives the collapsing structures only to land at the feet of Balaam and tries to kill her. Jupiter fights Balaam off and spares him, but not before the structures collapse and Balaam falls to his death. Just as Jupiter is about to suffer the same fate, Cain saves her as the refinery is in its final stages of the collapse. Sing opens up a portal to Earth and prepares to evacuate, potentially leaving Cain and Jupiter behind. However, she is relieved to find that they have survived and crossed the portal along with Sing's ship. Jupiter's family has returned home with no memory of their disappearance, while Jupiter secretly retains ownership of Earth. Cain's rank in the Legion is restored, and he and J- Jupiter begin a relationship. And that's the end of the movie. <laughs> Very nice. That was, that was super efficient, guys. I uh, applaud you for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think uh, everything I was going to comment on, we did before you read that. Yeah. So. I... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's the the whole point. I, I think your most telling moment in that description, Ant, was about halfway through. You went, I don't even know what I'm fucking reading, because that that's kind of what this movie felt like at times. Yeah. Like you have to you have to go, wait, what is going? Like kind of have to. You never want a movie where you have to think about the plot or the lore while you're like going, wait, why is this happening? What is that person? You know, mm-hmm. you never want your audience to be confused. Yeah. Um, uh, about about the basic plot information or sure. character information and that's what this movie does yeah this so we've done over 140 episodes this is the first time in a long time where i was felt burnt out which is crazy because two episodes ago 
we had by far one of our favorite episodes in Double Down. Um, and last week's wasn't a bad movie either with uh, Samurai Cop. This one, it took a lot out of me. It was draining. And I only mm. watched, I was only able to watch it once. I really couldn't justify watching it a second time. Couldn't yeah. justify watching it for like a total of four hours for this movie. Uh, it, the, the, a lot of the performances are very wooden. Like Mila Kunis is is a very wooden actress in this movie. Channing Tatum, it, it's he's boring. Eddie Redmayne, who I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> and again, it, he's a good actor. He's he's given Oscar worthy performances before. Yep. I, I don't understand. I, I guess this is the equivalent of, I don't know, let's say like Jacob deGrom. Not, I mean, I'm not saying he's the best actor out there, but, like, you know, Jacob deGrom goes out there, shuts it down. Right. And it, maybe this was just like one bad start for Eddie Redmayne, maybe. you know, but holy shit, like this was so far off point mm-hmm. and everyone, nothing, no one else is remotely rememberable or memorable in this. You know, like Sean Bean. I didn't know Sean Bean's last last name was a peony. That's <laughs> that's the best part about this movie now. Yeah, um, I I really don't know what to say. Because uh, it, it's a comp, it's competent. It's a it's a mainstream movie, so it's not like it's uh, a disaster on all fronts. It's just it was a chore. I hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a chore to sit through. I found myself just checking out. Every time I was trying, I, I would like sit my like, all right, I got to focus. And then like two minutes later, I'd just be like eyes glazed over, <laughs> not but, retaining anything. Was this the Wachowski's last movie? Good question. Because I, I feel like this is the type of failure where people lose jobs over. I, I feel like these, I feel like the Wachowskis are too big for that, though, at this point, right? Well, like, how long can you coast on The Matrix? Sure. So they did um, Sense8 on Netflix. Sense8. It was a series, a 14-episode series that went from 2015 to 2018. But since the only other movie they have is Matrix 4. And that's in post-production, I guess? Yes. Okay. So before this was Jupiter, uh, was Cloud Atlas... And Speed Racer before that. Now, I, I've heard a lot of people like Speed Racer. I I think it's incomprehensible in terms of the... It's an assault on the eyes. <laughs> it, it, it's a lot of neon lights, I think. Yeah. It, I don't know. I, just, I feel like someone someone's head should have rolled for this movie. <laughs> right? Because I, I, I think Mila Kunis kind of stepped back from acting a little bit. She had those uh, bad mom movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I think I've seen the Bad Mom Christmas, which was, you know, fine for what it is. Yeah. But she kind of took a step back, I think. You know, Channing Tatum went on to do other things. Just the Cheetos commercial ever that was at the Super Bowl. At the Super Bowl, yeah, with uh, Aston Kutcher, Aston right? Kutcher. Yeah. yeah. Did she have a kid at this point in, in between? Probably. Is she yeah, a mom? That's a good bet, I'd imagine. She has two children with Ashton Kutcher. Okay. Does Ashton Kutcher have a kid with Demi Moore, too? Probably. Oh, man, it's all over the place. He's, he's, making, a run, he's making a run at Nick Cannon. Yeah, oh, God. He, he's got a lot of catching up to do. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I think this, I demand blood for this. <laughs> I, I, someone needs to suffer the way that we've suffered. Uh, we could try and kidnap Mila Kunis, I suppose. I think Ashton Kutcher has an app that would, like, Oh, that's right. That. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So we can't capture her. Uh, her. We, we got we got to capture. <laughs> right, yeah, it's useless if we have him. Uh, I'm gonna say like capture Eddie Redmayne. He okay. he's much I, frailer. And part of me thinks he would be down for that. Like if he one of those things, you go to kidnap. He was like, oh no, are you gonna put the handcuffs on me? Oh, uh, that, <laughs> uh, that, how freaky would that be? And just make it completely awkward. Like, hey, Eddie, <laughs> are, are are you in? Enjoying this? This creep, no, creeping me no, out. No, no, it's so much pain. Stop. <laughs> Wink. Because uh, yeah, it's the uh, it's my Bowser Princess Peach theory. Oh, she she enjoys being captured. Being kidnapped. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean if if you're <laughs> if your only other option is a, a fat right. Italian plumber, 
you know, why not give the giant dinosaur a whirl? It's <laughs> by packing. Right? Yeah, he's thick. It's yeah. probably weird looking, but still. Spiral shapes. <laughs> 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 well, at least we got something creepy at the end of this episode. Yeah, so, <laughs> there yeah. we go. I, I, yeah, what else is there to say about the movie, really? Right. I, I think at one point uh, Mila Kunis tells some character to refer to her as Jupe. Uh, there's that. <laughs> That's a terrible nickname. I, I would, <laughs> I would yes, refuse. Uh, we're gonna call you Jupiter. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, no, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah, it's. Uh, I would have, I would have asked, has anyone ever called you Jupe? Yeah. No. It's like how about, like how about Jay? <laughs> Stop trying to make Jupe a thing. <laughs> right, it's not gonna be a thing. That's uh. That's all I have to say about yeah. Jupiter Ascending, really. All right. Uh, you guys want to plug your shit so we can get out of here? Yeah, sure. Uh, at the Aquino 122 that's my personal Twitter handle. Uh, I also run the Stranger Damies, our real play D&D Twitter, uh, at Stranger Damies. Come check us out. New episodes air on there. Uh, our schedule goes on there. And, you know, talking about all kinds of stuff, D&D, movies, comic books, just uh, your one-stop shop. Yeah, so our, uh, the D&D podcast, you mentioned Stranger Damies, airs every other Wednesday where you get your podcast. Um, we're uh, still streaming over at twitch.tv slash gamevaultpod. Um, I would tune in uh, this Friday for a very special episode where we might have some announcements and just discussing the campaign. Um, there so um, you know be uh, be on the lookout for that um, if you're listening to this on Thursday um, when it when it releases um, if not uh, go watch the archives over there on on, on Game Vault Pod um, and then over there we also stream um, five nights a week uh, so be sure to check us out we're there on Wednesdays Thursdays Saturday Sunday and Monday um, we're variety streamers so all kinds of different games um, so you'll definitely find something um that you will have interest in yeah so and uh you know make sure you you know hit the subscribe button um on uh all the game ball pod stuff and uh including the podcast and then make sure on uh, uh stranger damies um you go and uh give us a review we've been on there a while we might need to get some of those five star reviews in there to bump up a little bit Okay, and this is They Called This Movie. You could find us on Spreaker just by searching They Called This Movie. We're also available wherever you get your podcast just by searching They Called This Movie. We are the mainnamey.com. That's our main website, and you can find us on all social social apps just by searching the main damey so that's twitter facebook instagram just type in the main damey and we will pop right up we are also on tiktok find they called some movie on tiktok just by going to tiktok and typing in they called some movie we are a proud number geek vibes nation you can find them at gvnation.com and on all socials and all podcast streaming apps just by searching geek vibes nation tons of great shows if you're into geek stuff surely it's a show for you. Uh, if you want to get a hold of us, you want to give us an email, give us a movie to recommend us watching, you could hit us up at Gmail at, at the main the main at gmail.com. Uh, you could tell us how much we suck, how much this movie is awesome, uh, or whatever you, you want to do about that, and we'll have a discussion about your bad taste movies. Um, if you have the time, please go on any podcast streaming app and give us five stars. That would help us out a great deal. Give us a short review. Uh, tell us you suck. Tell us we suck or else. But as long as you give us that five star review, it doesn't really matter. Um, that's going to wrap it up here. Uh, the directors of Jupiter Ascending are the Wachowskis. So for Dan Aquino and Mark Myers, this is Anthony Novak here telling the Wachowskis, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you?
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.